0: And welcome, this is Drew Talks I am Drew Bauer Um, Wanted to start in uh, on this episode Just wanted to let you know that I apologize for not having one out Last week, I was out visiting family out in Kansas City Uh, We were in the path of totality for the eclipse And it was pretty impressive And I hope uh, people had a good time I was not really caring about it uh, out here where I live in Boise, there was ninety eight percent totality, and towns that were north of us that were getting hundred percent were just getting blown up by people coming from outside of the state, uh getting gouged on hotel prices and whatnot and and I was just kind of played out with it and when I was going to the airport, the guy asked me, "Oh so you are you gonna miss the eclipse?" And I honestly had no idea. What it was going to be like in Kansas City I just knew the hubbub uh, Surrounding this area And when I got there My dad had told me really this whole thing Was was planned by my uncle Simply because he wanted to come down From Maryland to see it in totality Well that and other reasons But that was why he picked this particular weekend So I uh, was gone for a while Didn't get to put out an episode Last week And that is not to say That things have not occurred Uh, What I want to start out with, for those that know me well know that I love movies, and on the very first episode of this show, I talked a bit about Dunkirk and how much I really liked it. I just saw Logan Lucky here in this last weekend. Please go see it. I mean, this is probably Steven Soderbergh's best work. The writing is good. The acting is great. Everybody that's in it from... Daniel Craig, Channing Tatum, Adam Driver. uh, I mean, everybody's good. Uh, See the movie, it's good. But recently, uh, this summer, there was a little film called Wonder Woman. Uh, Have you guys heard of it? Anyway, uh, it made a bunch of money. And even when this film came out, there was still a a bunch of politicized hubbub. Uh, Whether it was how well... This movie's going to do by concern of should we let a female director handle a big-budget blockbuster. That ended up not being a problem. Uh, it, it made hundreds of millions of dollars. That was not the concern. Patty Jenkins killed it. Uh, there was all this talk over... Uh, concerning the Justice League and the money that Gal Gadot was going to make compared to Henry Cavill. There was a lot of backlash concerning this movie from the left because Gal Gadot is Israeli and the left is very anti-Israeli. So there was not wanting to promote a Zionist as a feminine hero. And that's what it's all surrounded, is the the portrayal of a feminine icon and to tell the truth it's it's never good enough for these people (laughs) it's it's never good enough and just added recently to that pile is james cameron uh yes that james cameron uh director of avatar and titanic and true lies and most notably uh Aliens and Terminator. Um, Fills a lot of his movies out with macho dudes. Doesn't really make female-centric stories. But he wanted to chime in and say that Wonder Woman was a step back in feminism because it's just the same old Hollywood Boys Club stuff and felt that she was still uh, objectified and... Uh, And that Sarah Connor is the figure that she is, for a multitude of reasons, uh, playing and and his examples of feminine strength, uh, get a bit get a bit outside. So uh, his comparison in this, uh, talking about Gal Gadot or Wonder Woman being objectified, and I was not so sure when he said this, did he mean from outside of the film or did he mean from inside of the film? Because as a person is going to see a movie uh, with her in it, with Wonder Woman in it, with really with any woman in it, that film patrons objectifying the woman, uh, that's not going to stop. Uh, women, whether they are considered uh, by Hollywood beauty standards beautiful or not, get objectified. People get objectified all the time, and you can't stop that from happening. Um, it's not Gal Gadot's fault that she looks that way. Um, but if you're talking about trying to make this work from inside the movie, that she's objectified as a part of the movie, well, that's somewhat of the point, isn't it? It, it, it? That she leaves Themyscira, that she's now in the world of men, and now she's seeing how women are viewed in the world outside of where she lives, where there are men. So the objectification is something that she kind of combats in the movie uh, and and not that she feels that she has to prove anything. She just does. Uh, so I, I don't exactly know what he was angling at with that remark. Uh, and he comes to talk about Sarah Connor uh, played by Linda Hamilton who he would have to consider to be attractive. Uh, he did... He did have a relationship with her, so uh, he would have to, you know, feel that's the case. But he talks about the character of Sarah Connor being this uh, feminine icon that she is because she's uh, tough. And he also makes the point to say that she's a terrible mother. Oh, <laughs> well, there, there you go. There you go, ladies. Uh, if If you like to stay in and be attentive to your children... Uh, you're just not quite the pro-feminine agenda that they would wish you had. You have to be a shit mom in order to be considered uh, remotely womanly. And in Sarah Connor's case, to be that figure, you have to be uh, negligent and, dare I say, homicidal. So, that, yeah, great, great example. But... Even outside of what we saw, basically, this character in Sarah Connor that was produced in T2, James Cameron made a movie in Terminator where the entire plot hinged on a guy sending someone back from the future to have sex with his mom so he could be made. Like, sex is a huge part of the first Terminator movie. It needs to happen to ensure that John Connor is born. So John Connor sends the guy back knowing that that's what has to happen. That Kyle Reese has to have sex with his mom to make John Connor. The, the, the purpose of Sarah Connor in Terminator is just to become a, a cum vessel for John Connor to be born. So, yay, feminism! There's your icon. And by the way, Kyle Reese who falls says he falls in love with Sarah Connor just by looking at a picture That John gave him. Just by looking at a picture. He never heard her voice. He never touched her skin. He never knew if she referred to a soft drink as soda or pop. Didn't know if she had semi-racist thoughts. Didn't know this person at all. Whatsoever. Anything about her other than gay birth to John Connor is this great person and here's a picture and she's hot. Is that not a little objectified? Is that was he not objectifying this person a little bit and falling in love with her? Uh, it just it just seems weird that Cameron would make that stance because it seems like he's wrong on all points. And you can check out Patty Jenkins' response to all this because she she hits those same marks too. That the that is it is it not possible for a gorgeous woman to be a feminist? And this is. This is a type of prejudice that women, in their choices and in the things that they don't have choices about, you know, you know how they look or where they come from, that they're constantly dealing with. The idea that, uh, that the non-traditionally good-looking women, they're funny or they have a talent ever because they're not good-looking. And because of that, really good-looking women who are the model type, whatever, that they can't be intelligent, that they can't be strong, that they can't be funny, that they can't do anything because they just live their life coasting on their looks. And you can see a lot of examples and even point out anecdotally in your life where, oh, they're like like this, that, and the other because they're good-looking, or they're like this, that, and the other because they're not good-looking. And you can continue to just perpetuate that stereotype, but... It's still possible to break those molds, is it not? So, uh, Lucille Ball—that's that's probably that's probably the finest example. Um, she had all of those worlds; she had it on banging on all cylinders, essentially. But the I, uh, Patty Jenkins, then has to defend the position. Oh, by the way, of a character she did not cast in Wonder Woman, but saying that it's not fair to try to. Degrade her or the portrayal just because she's good-looking, uh, and that that, that kind of made me mad. Because, as I mentioned on the show, I have two daughters, and and I would hate to have someone try to take, someone attempt to take a stand in such a way, but still be completely missing the point. Um, yeah, so that's Jimmy Cameron for you, and that was the entertainment news. But in along the line of entertainment, there's also Uh, sports entertainment and just this past weekend floyd mayweather and conor mcgregor uh, they fought in vegas it went 10 rounds it really kind of limped into the 10th the ninth round was a bit saggy for uh the irishman there uh i I, I commend conor mcgregor for lasting that long i kind of felt uh it was gonna be if if he doesn't find a way to knock out Mayweather in the first few rounds, then it's it's Mayweather's fight. So you knew after after really round three that you're like, alright, well now, now Mayweather's just gonna play the Mayweather game, and and it ended up being it didn't I was surprised because I thought it was gonna come down to points, but he was just able to find that next gear in the tenth and end it fairly quickly. Uh so the fight the fight I didn't have a problem with. But the McGregor supporters who made it who made it seem like this dude has never fought a day in his life or that it was so hard to learn the rules of boxing and not have to kick somebody that that it was just this unimaginable feat that he could take on a guy who's 11 years older than him in the ring and practically like he just came off the street. (laughs) like like he didn't know like he didn't know how to throw a punch or he didn't know how to protect himself and and look I understand there was a lot of there's a lot of intricacy in the form of boxing simply because of what it is you're allowed to use and what it is you're not allowed to use but it's simplified it's actually fairly distilled from when it comes to The type of fighting that he comes from. And his conditioning. I don't know why anybody would feel like his conditioning wasn't in question. That I mean, this dude is fit. Obviously not the kind of fit that Mayweather was. But he's not some schlub that just came off the couch. And and so just the not willing to give Mayweather his due. Because they thought that McGregor was going to beat him. But then when he didn't. They just wanted to keep patting him on the back and saying, well, he did really good for it being his first time. His first time what? Boxing with gloves on? Maybe. That's not the first time he's ever fought. And then other people want to go on to say, no, they they got to settle this. They got to go in the octagon. They got to fight McGregor's game. No, they don't. Mayweather has nothing to prove. Conor McGregor spearheaded this entire thing from the word go. He wanted to box. He wanted to fight Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather had the demands. He was more than happy to send to him because he thought that he was going to be able to beat him. He wanted the match. He had to convince Mayweather to take it, hence him giving up all these other things. But no, Mayweather's not asking for a rematch. He's not asking to go into the octagon with McGregor. He doesn't have to. Mayweather said he could he would face him in a boxing match because McGregor said he could beat him in a boxing match and he didn't. It's over. So newfound re- found respect from the boxing community or those that know anything beyond all the shit talking that happened. Yeah, I I, it, I give props to McGregor, but I knew it wasn't gonna be. <laughs> I knew he wasn't gonna beat him. And certainly Mayweather doesn't have anything left to prove. So that's over. That's done. And McGregor's smart getting into that because he made a hell of a lot more money than he would have made fighting in in UFC in one match, in a single match. In fact, I think he made more. I think they said he made more than the last three matches put together or something like that. He made a lot of money. Um, Moving on into football, that being my favorite sport, uh, preseason's almost over. We're starting to get a bit of a picture about uh, what the team makeup is going to be for the teams around the league, and one team that's looking a little bit different is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, second year running back, he was a stud last year as a rookie, has been for now suspended six games by the league for uh, domestic violence reasons. And the history of this case being, uh, it was investigated uh, previously. The cops did not find enough either regular evidence or just cooperating evidence. They, they really said that there was so many inconsistencies in the testimonies that they had gotten. They didn't find enough, not only to not prosecute him but I mean they didn't charge him he never got arrested nothing he wasn't arrested he wasn't taken in like that he they, he was not prosecuted by a court of law now the NFL did their own investigation and from the ways I guess that they get information other than how the cops do the league said and this is what's going to be very important because Ezekiel Elliott is trying to um, appeal the suspension the NFL said they had seen enough evidence to show that he did it. Not that the 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 league believes that he might have all that the league said you can read the statement, there was enough evidence to show the league that he did indeed participate in these, you know, multiple accounts of domestic violence. Okay? He was never arrested, he was never charged. In fact, some of the text message information they had gotten from this lady and her friend pointed towards blackmailing and ultimately creating this situation uh, that was essentially fabricated. So that that was the reason he was suspended. There was, you know, the 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 fight. He wasn't charged or anything for that was in Dallas. This incident on the float. Those types of situations were not mentioned. It was it was in the name of this. Particular event. Which, again, he was not arrested for. He was not charged with. He was accused. And the NFL went and looked at it. And because they didn't want to get it wrong or risk the possibility, like another Ray Rice situation, where they gave him a lenient suspension and then the videotape came out, that they didn't want to head in that territory, so they gave him six games. Now... As I said, Elliot is appealing the decision, but here's why I think nothing is going to happen out of that. He was given six games for domestic violence. This is something that the league, especially coming in from last year and and whiffing on the Ray Rice thing, uh, sponsoring the I think it's, was it was a purple purple ribbon thing. That that you know, no more. Right. They are behind it huge. They gave him the six games because of this and because of their stance on it. If they lower the suspension to two games, what is it going to be based on? All Elliot's lawyer can do is come in and say, he was never arrested, he was never charged, here's this evidence that the police saw, and they didn't see it worth the aggravation, which the league already knows. They can't be like, oh, this is this is new and new information come to light. Oh, we'll just get rid of it or we'll lower it. The league already knows. The league already knows he was not arrested, that he wasn't charged. He basically, by law, is is scot free from this. And when people talk about, well, you know, if when we find out what really happened, we won't. And why won't we find out? Because this isn't going to court. This isn't like the Adrian Peterson situation. This isn't like the Greg Hardy situation. It's it's done. Unless brand new evidence happens to appear that wasn't a part of the investigation. And we may be waiting on that. But in the meantime, whether it was shown that he was innocent or not in the court of law, which there is none, the league still says, we think he did it. There's evidence to show that he did it. The NFL believes he did it. And gave him six games. So if they lower it, they're looking soft. If they lower this from six games to four, now all of a sudden the narrative becomes, wait, so what does a domestic abuser have to do to get the full six games? You look like you're getting soft on it again. And I don't think the league wants to go that route. So I think they they would end up keeping it to six games. I don't think it gets removed at all because if there was something that the lawyer happened to bring in that shows, hey, um, here's more evidence that he didn't do it, and again, the league has already determined his guilt, then all of a sudden the league looks stupid. Now they didn't do a thorough investigation. Now it just looks like a witch hunt for anybody that's been accused of domestic violence. With with little to no or as much evidence, they went on. If they're if they're proven wrong, they just look like morons again. So I'm not seeing. It. I'm I'm I would say it sticks at six for for those political reasons. So the Cowboys are going to be without. I mean, if it gets if it gets lowered at all, it's only going to be maybe a couple games. So there's still he's still going to miss the first quarter of the season. Now the other thing that's been going on that uh, if you're watching even preseason football. Uh, in, the, in the QB carousel involving Colin Kaepernick and his lack of involvement in that carousel and the other protests that have been going on with some of the other teams, uh, not necessarily kneeling, but maybe sitting during the national anthem or raising their hand, whichever the case. No named general manager has stated that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job because of his politics. That's all an assumption. Nobody that spoke with him from a team has come out and said, we didn't sign him because he's a locker room cancer or because anything. They won't say why. They won't say whether it's money. They won't say whether it's ability. In fact, all these teams that he's talked to praise his ability. So it's assumed that it's his politics, without it ever really being said. Now it may not be the politics that you think it is. It may not be the politics that the NAACP was marching outside NFL headquarters, wants you to believe it is. His association with Black Lives Matter and his original protests that he had against police brutality, other members of his team knelt with him. Eric Reed knelt with him. He's still playing on the 49ers. Kenny Stills of the Dolphins he's he's still playing? Other players knelt and they have a job because that because that's the extent that they're looking at and now and now the protests are kind of related because Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. But when he started that last year, it was about it was about the police brutality. It was about that movement. But then he went on. <laughs> he 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 took a couple of steps further on from that. And he may have had a lot of support in the locker room regarding his stance on police brutality in, in the African American community. I no doubt. I have no doubt. But You can follow his girlfriend's Twitter feed to see the type of community that he might have fallen into, and it's that type of rhetoric that might have pissed off his teammates. It's wearing the t-shirt in support of a communist dictator who is a longtime known enemy of the United States that might worry the capitalist owners of, I'm going to say, 100% of every football team. OK, it's not the BLM thing. It's it's a step. It's a it's a step further into he's not walking around and talking about what's happening in the neighborhoods as far as police brutality. Maybe he's getting in his teammates ear about, hey, we need we need to seize the means of production or something, <laughs> something to that extent. So it's a little bit further than that. He definitely, because of the Castro thing, was not going to get the job in Miami. And people want to say, why, why Cutler over Kaepernick? Because Cutler sucks. Well, Cutler had his best season under Adam Gase. He knows the system. And we can just at least kind of assume that he's not a fan of Fidel Castro. That's why he didn't get the job in Miami. That, that one was the easiest one to answer but in in New York who knows cuz the Jets they have an awful awful QB situation Jacksonville really not that much better but again you're you're back in Florida in that case but the one thing I want to get at in in all of the sides of this and and I I have no feeling against uh against the protest okay um what I have been seeing is the people that are hating Kaepernick and hating these players that are taking a knee or sitting down during the national anthem, that they're trying to put this weird military support spin on it. And I don't understand it. Nothing about these protests have anything to do with the military. And I know you want to move it back towards, well, about the flag. Well, I, and I, I swear I'd never say this because I hate, I hate that type of crowd. Uh, I myself, uh, I am a veteran. I do not speak for all veterans. I probably only speak for me, ma- or I can only have a comparable opinion of maybe a couple. I don't know. I'm not going to claim to speak for the military community. Okay, but me personally, I'm not gonna do this as a veteran. You know, I hate, I hate hate when people preface and intro these as a mother, as a father, as a veteran, as a nurse, all that other stupid crap. I don't care. It's your personal opinion. My personal opinion. When I was a veteran, when I was serving, I was not doing it for 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 the flag for for the tangible flag I was protecting the freedoms of the people in the country of the and the things that I believed that the flag stood for but not the flag it's it's the ideology and the beliefs that you put that you imbue the flag with and, and for you people out there that, that hate every part of this protest because you only want to imbue the flag with the great things that you love about this country, great. But you can also imbue the flag with things that are not so good about this country. And I got to tell you, there are things that are not good about it. There are some things that are quite a bit of an eyesore. There There have been... There are and there will be. It's not a perfect place. And that's not to say that that these guys that are taking a knee or sitting down, that say that that they would prefer to go to some other godforsaken place and try to do what they do, all that other crap. No. But they see a problem. And they see a problem as it exists in the country that they live in And they have imbued the flag with that thing, and that's what they're protesting. Now, you want to call out Antifa and BLM as being uh, violent thugs and hate hate that they burn down stuff, hate that they're yelling things at people, hate that they're they're just violent and unruly and disrespectful. And then you got these guys out on a sideline they're not yelling. They're not running around. They're not burning anything. They're not destroying anything. Their protest is silent and still. And, and seemingly can create just as much hate and vitriol in the manner. What, what, what do you want these people to do? These people that disagree. These people that would like others to know that they have a problem with it. What do you want them to do? Because they've literally taken a path of, uh, of passive resistance. They're not violent. They're not running around yelling at people. They're not in press conferences yelling at people. They're not advocating violence. But it's not good enough? And then this, this thing that's shared all around the internet with some some dumbass old colonel who was like, well, I was a season ticket holder in all these places and I didn't get to watch a season because I was out defending my country and blah, blah, blah. Again, this is not about the military. It has never been about the military. And it's not about the great things that America is. To them, it's about the bad things that they're seeing in America. And those exist. Those do exist. Just stop making it about that. Yeah, I know you want to get more people behind you because it's, it's easier that way. Nothing to do with the military. The flag has more to offer than just being associated with with men and women in uniform. And they didn't die for a flag either. They don't die for a flag that has changed so many times throughout history. They're fighting for the ideals. The ideals are the most important thing. For all I give a shit, we can just get rid of the flag. Just have no flag. I don't care. Because the flag doesn't matter. The ideals matter. But, I will say, since we do have a flag, I don't like the bastardizations of it. And that comes from either side. I don't like seeing the American flag changed in a way to support the LGBTQ community. And I also don't like the people that make it black and white with the blue stripe. I don't like the Blue Lives Matter American flag. See, you're, you want to defend it to a certain degree, but then you also want to pervert it. So if you think the flag's so important, then you can keep perverting it. But if you want to stick to all this shit about the flag code, then you should know when you're walking around with a police li- or the Blue Lives Matter flag, you are violating the flag code. And if you're hanging out in front of your yard and you don't have a light in it at night, you're violating the flag code. And I drove by a place for work, they had a flag outside, tore the hell up. All tangled. feel like buying him a new one. If you want to stick with that, you're just kind of picking and choosing, aren't you? If the flag matters so much to you... I don't know. So we'll see. Again, the, the situations are so bad in some of these teams, he may be getting a look. And when he comes back he may still be kneeling for the National Anthem. But has anybody asked Colin Kaepernick or any of these players, what would it take for you to stand up? What would it take for you to have pride in, in that flag again, in the National Anthem? And again, the anthem doesn't mean anything to me. It's just a song. What would it, Ask them, what would it take? Would you listen to them? Would the fact that the, that what they've been doing just put you off to ever listening to it? Do you think they would be unreasonable? Because I got to tell as far as protests go, I don't see a lot of problems in this. And unfortunately, I don't think it's raising the kind of awareness that they wish it would because all we're doing is just looking at the thing they're doing as a protest and not caring so much about what they're protesting for. But that's just how it's been recently, hasn't it? We don't know. Some of these have gotten so in the weeds regarding the the people that they're trying to avoid having speak near them That the violence they're committing but what are they even doing it for i don't know there's a there's a lot of questions to be answered and i don't know are are we are we going to be the type of people that can say that we can listen to this and we can try to work it out and figure it out Or are we just going to keep yelling at each other until the other one goes away? I hope for the former and not so much of the latter. Anyway, I'd like to thank you for listening to me uh, here this week. And I'll try to uh, put out more frequently. Again, I'm sorry about last week. And. Hopefully I'll have some interesting, cool stuff (laughs) come next time. Uh, So thanks very much for listening, and you can always give me feedback here at uh, the Podcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook as well. I don't really have Twitter for that account, uh, mostly for uh, ideological reasons. Uh, Because I'm just... I I listened to a really good show today on The Nerdist, uh, and they had an interview with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and say what you want about Neil deGrasse Tyson. I I don't care what your thoughts are on him, but he talked about the first time he'd ever gone on TV. Uh, He learned a valuable lesson about sound bites. And for those of you that were living with news in the 90s and early 2000s, that's what we had as a way of misinformation and disinformation were just really short... You know, three or four sentence sound bites, like 20 to 30 seconds, that was supposed to give you enough on whatever that thing was. And Twitter is that. Twitter is the new soundbite. But now you've even degenerated into being a meme culture where it just takes five seconds to read a statement and then all of a sudden you think, oh, I got a great quasi-intellectual, quasi-sarcastic stance on a certain thing. So... I don't Twitter much unless I just have like a, a joke to, to put out or something like that. Not a lot of heavy thoughts going on for me on Twitter. That's because I try to avoid it. Uh, but you can catch me on Facebook, like I said, Drew Talks, and at Podcast at gmail.com. And I want to thank you for listening and uh, hope you tune in uh, to next week's show. All right, take care, everybody.